Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you'll get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you're keeping this show going. Please and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855 853 4802 or write in at real You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Tonight, a listener writes in to give a detailed look into her life living amongst the dead. A newly blended family is ripped apart by something demonic under the bed, and could a shadow person? Be the warning one listener needed to get out of the house before possibly being injured by a mentally ill loved one. Those stories, your calls, and more tonight on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hi. Hi, and how are you this fine day? I'm good. I'm excited for our stories. I am too. These uh, these sound rather interesting, as they always do. It, they could not be more different. Really? Yeah. I'm really kind of intrigued by what living amongst the dead means. Okay. Because that's an interesting term. That's not something you really uh, hear or use in, you know, day-to-day describing life. Uh-huh. So uh, I'm, I'm very curious. Is she like a vagrant in a uh, cemetery? <laughs> no, not <Okay>. exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not a vagrant. Okay. No. This could be interesting. Uh, our uh, phone number, of course, is 855-853-4802. That is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, if you enjoy the show, consider supporting it and becoming an EPP. We would love to hear from you and uh, get your support of the show. Five bucks a month. And, of course, you get all the bonus episodes. 27 now. Yes. In total. But you get pretty much instantly. And uh, there you go. It's a win-win. You support the show, you keep us on the air, and you get a bunch of uh, bonus stuff. So check that out, realghoststoriesonline.com. Let's uh, kick off the show today. We will go to a letter from A. We have two letters, both of which were written down just by initials. Okay. I'm fine with that. You can you can remain anonymous when you write in. That's totally fine. My my favorite thing, like I've said, is when they change names. But I I would love if somebody would just change all the names in a story to be like dog names. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like Fluffles said. I just think that would be very funny. Like I've changed the names in the story uh, to protect their identity, but for fun, I've changed them into the names of all the pets at Petco this week. 
We'll get that. We Someone will, get will that do that. Now. And I can't wait for it. That will be so fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Continuing on, A writes in, hello, Tony and Jenny. I really enjoy and love your show because I feel as if I'm not completely alone on this strange part of town. I finally decided to write in after hearing many people's experiences and my mom encouraging me to do so. She jokes that it would probably take almost a year to write down all of my experiences because they haven't only been experiences. It's been part of my everyday life starting from when I was in my mother's womb. Interesting. My mom would write in some of hers, but she's not so fluent in English as Spanish is her main language. I'll probably write in some experiences as, uh, in parts to uh, not make it too long. I never would have imagined this was the type of life that awaited me. I've been to points in life when I don't feel right. The things that have happened are so out of this world and so super hard to believe I don't even know where to start or explain myself since it's so much. I'm physically fine, but I question my sanity many times, even though I've been to almost every type of doctor out there. Yes, even psychiatrists, and even she said, there are things in this world that cannot be explained. Obviously, she asked for proof, and she got it, which left her with that reply. Okay, well, first, I'm colorblind. I became colorblind at the age of 17. March 12, 2009, I was in U.S. history class at 11.16 a.m. I will never forget. I only see shades of gray, but I see everything that is not of this world in color, as in ghosts, spirits, etc. Seeing, feeling, talking, and hearing them is normal to this paranormally affected community, so I'm not so odd there. As you know, there are far worse out there than once human entities, etc. I spent a lot of time with spirits from different backgrounds, which I've grown to appreciate and love very much. One of whom is so ultra-mega-special. I know a lot of spirits, good and bad, from hundreds and hundreds of years ago, not just from the USA or merely 100 years back. I've had some appear to me from different places of the world and very old ones like you wouldn't imagine. Second, I do not sleep much. If I do, it is only during the day. If not, I'll go without sleep for days. My longest time of not sleeping has been around eight days going on nine. I get weak during the day, so I just prefer sticking to night, which is bad, especially when school starts since I'm majoring in the mortuary science field and classes are in the day. Third, I can sense cemeteries from miles away. I don't need a map to tell me where a cemetery is at. I just say, go here, make left, right, etc. I don't know how to explain it, but as cheesy as it sounds, I just follow some sort of pull in my heart. That pull connects to my brain that automatically will know where the cemetery is located at. If I get ill, I don't go to the ER, I go to the cemetery. My health will get better there, no matter how much my blood pressure drops off or if I pass out. I've had the breath sucked out of me and a squeeze to my heart that feels hollow at the end. I've panicked, thinking, this is really it. I'm going to die of some sort of asthma attack. Thing is, I don't have asthma. Some stupid shadow has been following me since I was born. Well, we think it's a demonic shadow. I was in my mother's womb, and she was slowly deteriorating in her pregnancy with me. The nine months came, and no sign of an actual nine-month baby bump. During her pregnancy, pregnancy, she thought she was not going to make it. Anyway, when I was born, I was born with the cord around my neck, but my 
hand blocked it from shutting my air supply. During my birth, my mom said the lights went out and the room got very cold, and my mom said she saw a big bulge that was so black it stood out of the darkness. She imagined nothing good was hiding under that. When I was brought home, I was dropped accidentally by my cousin because she tripped, but I had landed on the couch, so I guess it was good instead of falling straight to the floor. One month later, she said my cousins were acting strange when she left to make my baby milk. She saw two of my cousins sneaking out of the bedroom, and when she returned, I was by the edge of the bed, not where she had left me, surrounded by pillows in the center. If I had fallen, I would have gotten hurt badly. When she confronted my cousins, she said their physical appearance appeared as them, but something in their face or eyes didn't seem right. A few nights later, my dad, in a sleepwalking state, shook my cradle violently. My mom was screaming hysterically, thinking he had probably killed me by then. He said he was fighting some sort of demonic thing, trying to take me. When everyone woke up to the noise, they couldn't find me anywhere until later they heard a noise behind the door, between the door and the wall. I was there, still sleeping. That's just the first months of my life. It's anger, pain, sadness, depression, tears, basically bad heartbreaks, to put it simply. I can sense people's emotions on such a level that it becomes mine. I'll start seeing memories of things that don't belong to me until recently. I figured out it's emotions and memories of some people I encounter throughout the day or night. In my 23 years of life, I've learned to understand victims of rape, violence, kidnapping, trapped, etc., you name it, because of the sponge-like life I have hanging over me. And I absorb negativity, basically. I can tell the difference between my memories and others. And as crazy as it may sound, adding to this already long letter, I stand firm by reincarnation. I believe it. I won't get into those stories, but personally, I know it. Just wanted to get that out of the way. I know it's so hard to believe. That's why I was so hesitant to write in. I have seen so much and still living it, but I still question myself like, Oh my God, is this really real? I've had good things happen to me too, so I can't say everything has been a black hole. One special thing that can wipe tears away from my face is animals. They're special. And I'm sure many know of certain special bonds that can be made with them. One in particular is when I see hawks. I've had one quickly stand on my shoulder and some others have landed in front of me as well. I have a picture of one hawk named Lucian come stand in front of me. If you'd like to see it, let me know and I'll gladly send it in. He's the one that stood on my shoulder. I remember you guys had a man named Oscar on the show once. He's seen something similar to me, so it helps to know that there are more people of this world who sort of understand in a way. It's understandable if they, would believe, if they wouldn't believe, but I prefer people not believing me than having them seeming to believe my sort of life. I feel like there's somewhere I need to go, but I do not know where. Something I need to do, but I don't know what. Something more out there, beyond the human eye. Anyway, I hope to get to hear this on the air, since I always listen to your show and get happy whenever I see a new one has been posted. Sorry if I rambled or got off topic. It's just weird writing it down. Okay, thanks. You guys are the best. I just can't help but when I hear that story to feel a little sad because 
that just does not sound like something that you you would have a very difficult time finding happiness in that. Yeah. But I think there's a reason that she has those gifts. She lives in Salem's lot. No. I think there's a reason she has those gifts. And I think she alluded towards the end of her letter that she doesn't really maybe yet know what that is for. Sure. But I, you know. I would, I I would imagine, I mean, based on what was said in that letter, where, especially at the end where she's saying those things. She's a good person. She's yeah. meaning good. She has good intentions, and there may be some sort of, maybe this is out there, but profound good deed or thing that she will do in her life that will affect a lot of people. Yeah. And that is why there has been such darkness surrounding her from the beginning, because there's something dark that knows what her path is and is doing everything it can to essentially take her off that track. Make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I hadn't thought of that, but that absolutely makes sense. I think you're exactly right, and that might be why her her path essentially started so early on, mm-hmm. that something was trying to block her from before she was even born. Yeah, you know, taking over, you know, the father shaking the crib, taking over... You know the the cord around her neck. To, I mean, this things that it was trying to do, but the good has won out every time. Yeah. So I think it's it's really up to her to continue that battle, and the fact that she's so extremely aware of it is good. And as, as young as she is, as young as she is, yeah. So I think there's something that's going to be happening with that young lady within her lifetime. That's going to be a very positive thing as long as the whatever this darkness is that's surrounding her uh, don't win out. And obviously, she's been winning that battle for quite some time. Yeah. So stay positive. Yeah, definitely. I guess stay in the light, as a lot of our listeners would say. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing that story. We do greatly appreciate it and appreciate your support. So thank you so much for that. Our phone number is 855-853-4802 here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, you can also write in on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Amanda writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. I wanted to tell you the story about my cat, Soxie. <laughs> I like that. That's a good name for a cat. I like that a lot. It's Soxie. Before I get into the spooky part of my tale, let me tell you about Soxie. My family and I had Soxie since I was about seven years old. I'm going to read it. No. Just the whole every... Is it in here a lot? Please don't. I don't know how many times it's in there. (laughs) I'm just going to continue on reading normal, but I'm just going to intersperse that. This was a special connection to an animal. Okay. I'd like the name. Since I was about seven years old. He died four years ago when I was 23. He was an awesome cat and would follow you around the house and talk to you. When you spoke to him, he would meow back and answer. You didn't believe me for a long time that cats kind of talk. No. Then you finally witnessed it, didn't you? Didn't I show you a video or something? Yeah, something like that. Where they they meow in a weird... Th- I didn't believe it for a long time myself until I had a cat that actually did it. My first cat never 
meowed like that. Uh-huh. And then I had uh, Murphy, my second cat, and she would talk to the birds in Catanese, is what I call it. Oh, that's good. <laughs> or whatever language, you know, you insert language here, you know, and you can make it a cat language. Um, and uh, it would be funny because she'd go to the window and it's, it's a weird sound. Uh-huh. It's like... Okay. Yes, that's me talking in cat. But that's how it sounded. Okay. It was very interesting. <laughs> My they, mom's cat used to... I called it singing. She... Sing, okay. She hated me. Smokey. Okay. Smokey hated me. I don't know what I ever did to that cat, but being a teenager living at home... I didn't want to wake up at 6 a.m. on the weekends. Sure. But Smokey would come and throw herself against my bedroom door and then lay at the foot of the door and she just all just doing sure. scales and yeah. cat sound. Yeah. Just to drive me insane. Yeah. She was trying to sleep deprive me. It was bad. <laughs> it's even more funny when they walk in with weapons on their paws. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, continuing on. He loved my dad and would always sit on his lap at night. Soxie hated it, though when my dad would start snoring. Sometimes even uh, putting his paws in my dad's mouth to get him to stop. Soxie was 20 in human years when he disappeared, and we could only assume that he died of old age. That's an old cat. That is an old cat. Wow. My mom was upset that we never found his body to bury him with the other cat that also had died of old age. Sometimes at night when my mom couldn't stand my dad snoring, she'd go and sleep in the guest room. When he was alive, Soxie would go with her. My mom told me that sometimes when she's sleeping in the guest room, she feels something sitting on the end of the bed, just like the cat did. My mom thinks that Soxie is still around keeping her company. Thank you for your time, and I hope to hear my story on the show. Amanda in Australia. You know, that's not uncommon for... Them to know it's getting to be their time and to just kind of go off to die alone. It's interesting that they do that. Yeah, I don't know why they do that. I had Lena, our ghost dog here. She's a real dog, but we call her our ghost dog. She went off to die one day, but she's, she's no, still... No, <laughs> she's my second Border Collie. My first yeah. Border Collie was Oreo, real original name for a black and white dog. Mm-hmm. And... Oreo was hit by a car and we couldn't find her after she was hit. She had, we lived out in the country and she had run off like two fields north of where we lived and we finally found her. But I think she thought that it was her time and she was just going to go off and die. She didn't run home for help or anything. Well, we found her and we were able to, you know, get her fixed and, you know, she had a hot pink cast on for a month or two and she ended up being fine but it was the strangest thing because i thought surely if she was hurt she'd come home but Mm -hmm. no she took off she was ready to go die in peace in a field far away i don't know why they do that i don't know i mean is it somehow like a primal urge of getting back into nature getting i don't know i almost think it's they don't want their their you know they don't want to hurt the feelings of the people that they love almost i know that probably sounds kind of crazy but no, I, I think it's think they want to to spare our feelings yeah it's interesting yeah i wonder if there's any insight into that one 855-853-4802 is our phone number at real ghost stories 
online. Kay writes in, hello, I'm a new fan and subscriber of your show. This has to be the best thing I've stumbled upon for ghost stories and have been listening for a few days straight now. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Wanted to share with you one of the nights I will never forget. Since this experience, I'm not easily scared. I was in my mid-teen years. My dad just remarried to a lady with two younger girls. We all got along famously. Well, we all got along famously at least for a while. We just moved into this new house with my dad and uh, the new step family, and at first everything was fine. A few months later is when things started getting weird. Strange smells started randomly enveloping the entire house. The source was never found. Sometimes it smelled like something was burning, and other times it smelled as if there was rotten eggs smeared on everything in the house. My dad's wife was also starting to stay up all night doing God knows what throughout the house for weeks on end. It was strange. I don't think anyone really paid attention to the smells or any weird feelings we would get randomly or even to my dad's wife staying up in an unhealthy way. She was sick. One night I just jumped into bed and turned off the lights when out of nowhere it sounded as if there was a cat eating its food under my bed. We had two cats at the time, so I wasn't startled at first, but they didn't usually come into my room. I'd stuck my hand just outside from under the bed to see if one of them would come. They never did. It was as if a light bulb had turned on in my head. There's no way a cat could have been eating its food in my room. My door is always closed, and their food was nowhere close. In fact, their food was on the opposite side of the house. As calmly as I could, so to not alarm anyone, I walked around the dimly lit house, and sure enough, both of the cats were in my younger stepsister's bedroom. This is when I started feeling an abnormal fear. What kind of animal, or what I assumed to be an animal, for that very short period of time, could have gotten into the house, passed my closed bedroom door, got under my bed, and what the hell was the crunching on? I knocked on my dad's bedroom door and told him about what I heard. He tore my room apart looking for any sign of this animal. There was no trace of anything out of the ordinary being in my room, so being spooked, I decided to grab all of my blankets and sleep on the couch. There's no way in hell I'm staying in that room with whatever that thing was, I remember thinking to myself. When my dad and stepmom saw me doing this, they asked if I wanted to just stay in their room with them that night, as I'm sure my face was pale white and my eyes the size of small plates. The little kid in me took over, and I agreed. I didn't want to be alone that night, and I couldn't sleep. Fear seemed to be growing inside my very soul, making the sense of being paralyzed very strong. That feeling that grew from the pit of my stomach was making my heart beat slowly and increase until it was beating so fast, only confirming that gut feeling of terror. I remember staring into the darkness, trying to get my eyes to adjust so I could see even faint outlines, but that proved impossible. It was pitch black. I told myself if I close my eyes, the darkness won't bother me so much. So I did and the face I saw made them jolt right back open to a sense of some monstrous face staring not even inches from my nose. I just laid there, not daring close my eyes for fear of seeing that grotesque creature again. 
I was forced to stare into the pitch black, feeling helpless and blind. I prayed that night, and I prayed for what felt like hours, reciting a prayer I remember hearing in a story when I was little. I was begging that I would make it through the night. The level of fear was to the point where I was sure if I didn't do anything that this thing was going to cause me a great deal of harm. I don't know where it had come from or why it was happening. I remember while I was praying, it felt as if a very heavy presence was lying on my feet and trying its very hardest to drag me off the bed towards my dad's bathroom and dark storage room at the back of their bedroom. That's when the prayers in my head would turn into words I pictured as swords to fight this creature to leave me alone. I've never felt more vulnerable, having a silent battle with whatever this thing was and being unable to ask for help from my stepmom lying next to me. I don't even know what time it was, but I knew it was very late. I didn't want to move to see the alarm clock. I didn't want to take my eyes off the blackness that made me feel as if it would eat my soul. Eventually, it went away, and the only reason I knew was my eyes had finally adjusted. After I realized I could see again, I felt calm enough to sleep, still not daring to move or close my eyes just in case it took that as a challenge. I took comfort in repeating prayers until my eyes eventually got too heavy to keep open. I remembered they had been open for so long that tears seemed to just keep flowing from my eyes. Thankfully, I had a dreamless sleep. I woke up the next morning with cobwebs in my head from not really sleeping that night. I dragged myself off the bed to feel something under my feet. I was stumped because there wasn't anything on the floor when I came into the room to sleep. I looked down to see a Bible sitting in the perfect spot for me to place my feet on as soon as I would get out of bed. I thanked whoever had answered my prayers and fought for my well-being that night. Seeing the Bible just made it all that much more real. The inhuman entity that would reside in their room from then on knew it couldn't touch me anymore, and I felt strong almost untouchable, but I didn't dare test those feelings. I remember picking up the Bible and putting it back where it belonged. Then I walked out of their room, and I never entered it again until I absolutely had to. Shortly after that happened, I would say within the week, we all left for a family outing. When we returned back home, our house was filled with smoke. The fireplace that was closed and locked had nothing but a few coals and a deep bed of ashes residing in it. It had somehow spit a coal onto the couch in front of the in front of it a good ten feet away. If we did not come home when we did, we would not have had a place to sleep that night. The thought that got me that got to me after that was what if that happened in the middle of the night while we were all sleeping? I don't recall hearing the fire alarms going off. Even though my sense of protection never left while I stayed there, I always felt very unwelcome. Staying there also turned the relationship between our two families cold, distant, and hostile, eventually ending in a violent dispute between my dad's wife and me, my immediate dismissal from my home, and the beginning of their divorce. I'm not sure if this entity had anything to do with the drastic deterioration of their relationships, and possibly I'm looking to connect the dots that may not be there. 
The thing that bothers me is we all used to get along great. This experience, as well as the many to follow, had restored my belief in a higher power. It taught me to have even more respect for those who have passed because they are the ones who fought for me that night. I've never been more scared in my life. My family often questions me on why things that normally scare people don't bother me. There isn't a whole lot out there that I have seen or experienced that could give me the same feeling, whatever that thing was that gave me that night. My dad and I moved out, and I've never stepped foot in that house again. My dad still owns it, but I won't dare take a step to open a door that has since closed. Thanks for reading, and I apologize for the length. I couldn't explain everything properly in a shorter version. Have a great night. P.S. I know people are going to question a few things. How was I able to fall asleep again? I had a sense of white light positive protection after everything had happened. Whoever came and protected me that night helped me fall asleep. Why didn't I just move out? Well, even though I was unaware of anyone else's intentions, I wanted to be part of their family. Love is stronger than fear. It left me alone for the remainder of my time there. And I kept my distance. I think that in a roundabout way, it probably was whatever was in that house that broke the family up, you know, causing the mom or the stepmom to be up at all hours of the night and causing fear. And it probably wreaked havoc with the younger stepsister. So, you know, it'd be interesting and there's no way to do this, but it would just be a curious experiment to see what it would have been like in a different place that didn't have such a negative being there. I mean, would it have worked? Would it have not? But we'll never know. Sure. No, I completely agree. I mean, you you have that a lot. You hear stories of, you know, unhappiness in a household or this or that. And it's usually there's a haunting or something going on when they're, they're sharing the story like that. And these things know how to create chaos and make people unhappy. Yeah. And then it inadvertently, uh, you know, people become at odds with each other. And it's not like they're possessed or anything, but they make the circumstance so unpleasant that the worst in people come out, essentially. Mm-hmm. If you're exhausted and you have no energy and other people are feeling that way, it's bound to create conflict amongst people. And that's what these things want. Sure. That's much smarter than just, I'm going to possess you and control you. It's, I'm going to let you self-destruct on your own fruition by essentially adjusting your environment to make you that type of person. Yeah. You know, and that's why I think it's attracted to, uh, you know, people that suffer from depression or people with illnesses or this or that. It sucks. You know, it just, it's like, it just knows how to incubate that and bring out the worst. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and that sounds kind of like what happened in that case. Yeah, I agree. I wonder if the, the rest of that family will ever be able to, I mean, the fact that this one family member was able to take a step back really and examine it from that other angle, uh-huh. if any of the other members on, on either side, you know, if they could ever sit down at some point in time, take a look back at the situation and go, wait a second, what happened here? Well, I think that would, you know, I think that would, in, in, I think that would require for them to have some sort of belief in something being in that house. Sure. You know, I mean, obviously this 
listener that wrote us the story, she believes in the paranormal. Mm -hmm. Now, whether or not her dad or her stepmom or, you know, the little stepsister at the time, if any of them even believe in that, that's that's going to be a whole factor in itself. Yeah, I mean, that's a big caveat. You have to actually accept and believe this stuff exists. Mm -hmm. But, I mean... We don't really know if they do or not. I'm yeah. just wondering if any if anyone else in that group has had those. And it'd be interesting to, to hear that. And that's that's a question you didn't answer. But good job answering a lot of the questions yeah. right away. Just knowing we're going to have question, question, question. That's what I have. Um, if you want to write back in or give us a call, um, I'd be curious if anyone else who was in that circle has looked back on this going, this was not us. Yeah. You know, we, there's no reason we had to be like, and it's not that it's going to necessarily lead to a, you know, lead to a reconciliation, but, um, but just uh, a realization mm -hmm. more than anything. Kind of bring some closure to the yeah, situation. Kind of get more peace out of it yeah. than you know this person was an ass or something. It, it's more so. Wait, okay. Well, You're, and it's always suspicious if they act one way before, yeah, and then when you get a new property and they start acting a different way. At least in my mind, after doing the show for what, six and a half, seven months, yeah. my mind would be like, is there something going on with the house? Well, sure. before I'd just be like, you just misrepresented yourself and, and yeah. sold me somebody you weren't. Sure. So. And then there's a whole plethora of other things you could go into there too. But if there's paranormal things going on, you got to wonder, Yeah. you know? Very interesting. Thanks for um, for sharing that letter with us. We really do appreciate it. Very well written, too. So thank you so much for that. Our phone number is 855-853-4802 to call in your story to Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Right on in and share your real ghost stories with us. And of course, please help to keep our show alive by becoming an EPP. Five bucks a month to get 27 bonus episodes. And that funding keeps this thing going if you like it you want it to continue it's only five bucks a month it's like the cost of uh, essentially a coffee at a at a starbucks or something and you get a bonus episode every single week all of our past bonus episodes from the last many a months 27 of them uh and just a satisfaction that you know you're throwing a little bit of money in the kitty to keep uh keep this thing uh, funded and the, the ship afloat. So thank you in advance for that. And if you're already doing that, uh, we greatly appreciate you. And uh, thank you so much. Let's go to Tammy in California. Hi. Hey, Tony. This is Tammy again from California. I just wanted to give you a follow-up real quick on the story of the haunted animal house. Um, our, where I left off before, our Navy guy, you know, didn't find anything in the house. And he was still convinced, too, that there was something in that, um, in that mansion. Um, two days after that incident did happen, it turned out that we found a pentagram spray painted in one of the bedrooms. But the funny thing is this pentagram was um, spray painted in neon pink and none of us felt kind of threatened or felt any negative energy. We thought, okay, maybe this was a part of a film that was, you know, not painted over by the last company that was there. <laughs> but um, it's so funny, I guess for people that want to worship the devil in LA, they you know, use hot pink spray paint to draw a pentagram. You know, you think of a color like black or red, but, um, but yeah, I mean, we, you know, we heard a lot of things in that house. We felt a lot of things, but it was never threatening. And I do like that, um, that observation that you did pointed out that it could have been energy stirred up from other movies that were in that house. And so many movies were filmed in that, um, old white colonial, but, um, but yeah, 
I have another story that I want to share with you uh, with my experience being on, I guess, haunted locations on, you know, movie sets. The same crew that I worked with in um, this last production that we filmed in the um, haunted animal house, we all met up in grad school in Florida State, and uh, I do wardrobe. I've been doing wardrobe for 13 years, and I love it. I've traveled to so many places um, designing wardrobe for films and short films and theaters. So I do have a lot of experiences with the paranormal when it comes to um, working out of those old places. And, um, well, I uh, met this crew that I currently work with now through grad school, like I said before, and we were doing a thesis film. And we got an okay to shoot the film, this horror film, in um, Monticello, Florida. It's a little area outside of Tallahassee, Florida, and we got to go to film at the Dixie Plantation. And this is a beautiful plantation in the middle of nowhere. It's in the middle of nowhere to the point where you have no cell phone reception. So it was a beautiful location. We were set to shoot there for three weeks, and... um, a little background of the place, it was built in 1935 by this billionaire who owned a bunch of racehorses. And after he died, he passed the house along to his children, and um, their children passed it along to their um, grandchildren, and I think the last descendant of the, of the family passed away inside the house in 1985 or 87, and the house was auctioned off. But it's now used today for weddings, parties, other social events, and, of course, film. So we were scheduled to shoot here for three weeks. And um, the film that we were shooting was a horror film. It was about this mental institution that um, ends up getting taken over by the mental patients. And it takes place in the 1950s. So we had to go in there and dress the house, um, kind of give it a time warp. And the second floor of the house had to be turned into um, the patient wing. So all the old doors in the bedrooms had to be taken out and replaced with bar doors. And we had to repaint the whole second floor to this ugly yellow buttercup color. Um, And um, a week after we sat dressed the house, we finally moved in all the departments. And I was fortunate to have my department, my wardrobe department, based out of the grand ballroom. And uh, first day of shooting, we um, were setting up for the scene in the study. The study is right across from the ballroom. I go into this bathroom that's connected to the study, and I'm filling up the tank uh, with water for the steamer. And as I'm filling up the tank, I could hear uh, our sound guy, Chris, and his assistant, Lou, uh, set up uh, sound in the room. I all of a sudden hear a loud or a knock against the wall and I hear our sound guy Chris go holy crap did you did you just see what just happened did you see that what 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 the hell was that what did you see that and I run into the room and I asked Chris I'm like hey is everything okay he said I, I don't know what the hell just happened but that book that you see on the ground next to you flew across the bookshelf against the wall and hit the floor like none of us was we were nowhere near the bookcase whatsoever and he was you know he was pretty shocked he was you know white as a ghost and I look over to his assistant and he and she is just in in complete disbelief I look at the ground there's the book on the ground it's 
it's clearly right across from the bookshelf. There is no way that this thing would have, you know, been thrown by either one, either one of them because they were both on opposite ends of the room setting up. So um, I had a feeling that there was something in the house, and I told them, well, why don't we just uh, break a bit? Let's go get a coffee. Let's talk to our AD, and, um, you know, let's just, like, let's just have a, let's have a coffee break, guys. <laughs> so... Um, we go over, we talk to the producer and the AD, and they're like, yeah, we just, uh, we noticed there was a couple of things in the house when we came in to set dress, and we just don't want it to circulate around, you know, the cast and crew just for professional purposes, but just keep it amongst yourselves and and just just continue setting up for the scene we need to shoot the scene in the study. So um, that was our first occurrence, and the second occurrence happened to our AD where... Um, he was checking in with me one morning um, with wardrobe, and I could just tell, like, he just just looked really off. And um, our AD was the poor individual that had to spend the night in the house to make sure that all the camera equipment and all the stuff was, you know, safe. And um, he uh, came in, and I asked him, you know, is everything okay? And he said, I just had a really, really rough night last night in the house. And I said, um, I asked him, did you hear anything? Did you see anything? Are you okay? He said, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what I heard, but I ended up having to sleep in my Jeep because something kept on waking me up. And I asked him, you know, what happened? What did you hear? What did you see? Because we, you know, I had my little experience with the sound guy. And he said, well, you know, I was sleeping in the room underneath the staircase and you know, I'm falling asleep. And then all of a sudden I, I hear loud footsteps you know, going up and down the stairs, back and forth in the hallway. And it sounded like somebody with cowboy boots just running, you know, back and forth on the wooden floor upstairs. And I'm thinking it's probably the, the, the groundskeeper. And I go up there and I call his name, no response. Everything is, you know, is vacant upstairs. There's just no sign of anyone in the house. And he even told me, like, he was really scared. But every time he attempted to go back to sleep, the sounds of the footsteps got louder and they got louder. Like whatever was in the house didn't want him in the house and certainly didn't want him sleeping there. So he just had enough and he got up. It was like around 4.30 in the morning. He ended up sleeping in the Jeep because he just could not sleep inside the house. And my final experience inside the, the mansion itself, um, we had our makeup guys set up in the master bedroom, and apparently in this master bedroom, um, the owner had passed away in there. She died of natural causes of old age. And it's, um, the story goes that if you leave the, uh, if you turn off the light in that room, that light will automatically turn on no matter what. And they believe it's her. And um, the makeup guy is a skeptic, and we had a bet. Cause I told him the story and he's like, I don't believe in that. I, I don't think that that is, that is true. And I said, okay, I bet you anything tonight when you turn off this light and we leave and you come back and you see it on, you owe me 10 bucks. And he's like, all right, deal. So as we are packing up, we are the last ones to leave with the AD. And as we're driving away from the mansion, I kid you not, the light turned on in, in that house. You could see it clear as day because when we left the house, it was pitch black. And as we got to the gate of the plantation, we 
we turned around and we saw that the light was on. And um, that uh, evening when we got back to our quarters, um, we were staying at a bed and breakfast um, 30 minutes from the plantation. I told the makeup artist, you owe me, you owe me 10 bucks. He's like, I, I really do because I, I saw that light turn on in my drive, uh, my drive through mirror and, um, and I'm speechless. So um, that's my story of the haunted plantation. We ended up, you know, finishing the film. If you'd like me to post the link of the film on the Facebook page, let me know. Um, you know, I have more stories. I currently work um, in a conservatory in Hollywood, and the conservatory is actually um, well, well it's actually the property of Charlie Chapman. Our bungalows are where our libraries are located, and. Um, there's a lot of stories of seeing Charlie himself on campus, so I have some stories of that to share with you guys at a later date. I love what you guys do. Keep up the good work, and I guess I'll share more stories with you guys later. Bye. Tammy, thanks for calling in and sharing those stories. We always love hearing them. That's very, very interesting. It is, and I would love to hear about the Charlie Chaplin sightings on campus. Yeah, uh, I'm always very intrigued by the tales that she has of just being out there, you know, working, uh, you know, in media and working in film. And, and yeah, go ahead, post that uh, uh, that video link up on Facebook, and we'll even share it out there, too. Um, I was going to say, I'd love to see like what some of these describe the sets and this and that. I'd yeah. love to see what some of the finished product looks like. Um, but uh, that's the world of, of uh, movie making, ladies and gentlemen. That's really neat. <laughs> Fabulous. Sleeping in Jeeps and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and people have this idea of you know, you know how it like how it is, and this is really how it is. You know, it's, things like this. It's neat to me to hear firsthand what it's like because you do have such a skewed perception. You, you think do. big Hollywood, mm-hmm. everything's elaborate and expensive. Yeah. You don't think about these kinds of situations where sure. somebody needs. The camera equipment and things like that. About the only, I mean, and this is not even the case most of the times anymore. Uh, you know, depending if you're on a, a fairly large budget, then you know the talent, you know, the actors and actresses, those are the ones that get the the nice mm-hmm. treatment. But you have a crew that is doing, you know, all of the work putting this stuff together, and you know, it's amazing what they will do and what they will endure. And uh, those are the folks that end up making such an amazing final product. Um, for some of these things and uh, it, it takes passion it does and it clearly you know uh, obviously Tammy has it and so does a lot of her uh, colleagues but a very interesting story uh, it's an adventure mm-hmm. you know it, so many crazy things that uh, that can happen especially when you're doing like location things like that yeah you know you get out to a place that Obviously, you know, because you're not just going to, nobody's going to build a house for a, a horror movie, you know, unless it's a crazy budget, which does sometimes happen. Sure. But even even then, a lot of times you're finding existing properties to kind of screw with, mm-hmm. um, to keep, like the, the last Amityville film. It's actually filmed in Wisconsin. Oh, really? Uh, it was filmed, I believe, around Lake Geneva. Okay. Real House, um, they had to alter it to make the little eye windows, but an existing property. And a lot of times you need a house like that. It's going to be an older home that exists. Um, So you probably run into that stuff more times than not. And I'm just thinking, you walk into these places with all of that equipment. That's got to be just a huge conduit for things to manifest. And it's like a giant battery you're bringing in there and... 
Here's a fun question. Yeah. Or on Lake Geneva, would you have any interest in that property, knowing that it had been used to portray the Amityville sure. property? I think it weird me out, even if it wasn't haunted. Just yeah. now, it looks like the Amityville house. I think it weird me out. I I can't imagine it's a cheap property. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be so. If I had all the money in the world, it'd be a great property to buy and turn into a haunted house, like a seasonal haunted house. If your neighbors don't pitch a fit. Well, I I could be wrong, but I believe it's kind of remote. Okay. So I think you kind of have a little run of the land there. But, uh, you know, yeah, if your neighbors don't pitch a fit. Um, but that would be an ideal place to do a haunt. I mean, you couldn't get a better setting. Right. You know, for something like that. Um, but uh, I can't imagine, like I said, it's a cheap property to buy for a haunt. Would you make your money back? No. You know, that's the, the big question mark. Maybe in like 30 years mm-hmm. of running the haunt, you'll, you know, break even. But um, it'd be very interesting. One haunt that I've always, always, always wanted to go to as a fictitious haunt, but a real haunt at the same time. Okay. Meaning it's a real haunted location. But it's they put on a fake haunted house every year, you know, meaning actors and actresses jumping out there and okay. scaring you. Um, the Queen Mary. Sure. They, sure. they do one every year. I have friends from Long Beach who've been to it and they say it's a great haunt. And they actually do it in the ship. And But my question for that is when you do a haunt like that in a real haunted location, do you ever have anything paranormal happen? I'm sure. I'm sure they're like, watch this shit. You think you're doing a good job. <laughs> and, and as you're going through the haunt, as a, like a spectator of it, mm-hmm. how do you just, dis- I mean, you don't decipher. You, you're just like, <laughs> wow, that's some amazing special effects. <laughs> that's I'll great. I'll never know how they did that. Exactly. You know, I don't know. Um, I would love to get out there and see that sometime. Let's go to uh, Ryan. Ryan writes in, hey, guys, I just found your show on YouTube and have been listening to it at work, and I think it's great. I have a ghost story that happened to me, and I'd like to share. I'd uh, phone up and tell it, but I'm from the UK, so I think that will be one expensive phone call. Anyway, my experience took place in 2012, just after my granddad died. I decided to go stay with my uncle in my granddad's house uh, through his hard uh, through his hard times. I was there for about a week and noticed my uh, uncle's mental health started deteriorating. He began to growl viciously in his sleep, stopped eating, and generally just changed. He wasn't the same person anymore. One night I went downstairs to get a drink. We used the bathroom sink tap for fresh water and the downstairs bathroom was just down the hall from the kitchen. As I opened the bathroom door and turned the light on, I saw a figure standing in the kitchen and I felt the person staring at me. Thinking it was my uncle, I turned around to ask what he was doing, but he wasn't there. I walked down the hall to see if he had walked further into the kitchen, but I saw him in bed. I should explain that my granddad had no legs and had his bed in the living room, which is just behind the kitchen counter. And my uncle slept in my granddad's bed after my granddad died, so I saw my uncle in bed and just assumed I'd imagined the whole thing. I went back down the hall, and before I went back upstairs, I turned around towards the kitchen once more, and this six-foot-tall, solid black figure was in the hallway, standing there in an aggressive pose. I immediately shot upstairs to my room and felt this thing follow me upstairs. I went into my room, 
closed the door, got back into bed, shaken and scared. A few hours later, I was woken up by my uncle in my room with his axe, telling me he's not going to hurt me, but I needed to get out of the house now. Then he walked out of my room and went to work, smashing the axe into the walls, windows, lights, and bathroom. Basically, he smashed the whole house with his axe. I left the house and phoned the police, as I didn't want him doing something else stupid. The rest of that story isn't that interesting, but anyway, I now believe that figure I saw that night was one of my dead relatives. I don't think it was my granddad, as this thing was too tall to be him, but I think they were warning me of what was about to happen, because I didn't feel like uh, maybe they were trying to hurt me, but rather scare me out of the house. Thank you for taking the time to read my story, and I hope to get to hear my thought, your thoughts on my experience. Have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun when they end the story like that. Possible axe murderer. Have a nice day. Well, I think it. I think he's on to something with thinking that it prevented him from being hurt. You know, the uncle, I'm sure, in his right mind, would not have tried to hurt him, but sure. in that kind of distraught state, who knows? And things can happen faster than you realize. So I do think that the shadow figure was probably trying to scare him out of the house. It was just something else to to put into his mind to make him want to move and not try and reason. Yeah. With someone that was not able to reason back at the time. Right. Now, the other side of that could be that there's something really dark in that house that has taken a hold of the uncle while mm-hmm. the uncle mourns the loss of his father. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. maybe it didn't have good intent. We'll never know, yeah. but it worked out the way it did for, you know, yeah. for um, dark things yeah. being attracted to sadness and yeah. depression. And that, I mean, I could see that too. I mean, it's, it's one of those we really won't know the answer to. But, um, you know, it just it adds more questions. It does. To the whole thing. Thank you for, uh, for sharing that story with us. Uh, as you guys know, phone number is 855-853-4802. Call in your real ghost story. We would absolutely love to hear it. You can do it completely anonymously. Of course, you can also write it on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. We would love to hear it. And of course, like we've said many a times, please consider supporting the show. Five bucks a month. You get uh, at this point in time when you're listening, when we're making the show, 27 bonus episodes going right out to you. If you're listening to the show 100 weeks after the point of this being broadcast, you'll get 127 bonus episodes, (laughs) essentially. In the future. In the future, yes. Uh, Because uh, the way it works is uh, our EPPs are always going to have access to those EPP bonus episodes. And they are some might I say, damn good episodes of our show. I think so. So uh, please consider supporting the show, keeping it on the air, uh, because without our EPPs, it would not be continuing. And uh, the more we grow, the more we need our EPPs. So uh, you sign up on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Thank you in advance. Uh, We greatly appreciate that, and thank you if you already are uh, supporting. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.